All right. Welcome and good morning. Um, well, I would love us to take a second and um, I, we've got some overflow seating. We do have open um, chairs at tables up front and here. So I invite you actually to come and join a table if you're able and willing, because we have first a table challenge for you. So um, on each table... Um, you should have a sheet of poster board that looks like this with a marker on it. Okay, you have three minutes to work as a table to draw from memory a $1 bill. Okay, you've got a front and a back. You can't pull out your wallet. I know we're mostly cashless society. You can't look up a picture. Okay, a $1 bill front and back. And we're going to have a three-minute countdown. And I'm going to invite folks, when the countdown starts... If you're in the back, come find a seat and join. That's a great time to come join a table. And um, if we still have, um, if we don't quite have enough seats, I'll come find you and make it work. So can I have three minutes on the clock? Okay, go. Time is going. Three minutes. Work together. All right, table. Someone stand up and hold your dollar bill for the world to see your genius and your memory. Wow, look at these. Okay. Wow, we have made our own currency, really, I think, this one. <laughs> okay. Oh, I like some of these George Washington depictions. Oh, right there. I like your lobbying for, like, ours is clearly the best. That's nice. Okay, well done, tables. Um, inside the Bible, on the top of the table, there's a little envelope, and if you open it up, if you're curious, there is a master. There's a key. You can look and see how you did. Okay, pass it around. There's a surprising amount of detail, right? Pretty much, (laughs) Steve says they pretty much nailed it right here. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Did you have, you had one, okay. Excellent, all right. So, as you're passing the, the bill around, kind of checking your work, your memory, I, some of you, I'm sure, like the Latin, like right there, right at your fingertips, right? Uh, isn't it interesting how an item that, even in a cashless society, largely like that we feel like is just so commonplace, we've maybe seen it thousands of times in our lives, when you actually try to go and remember, you're like, wait, what, what does that say again? Like, where's that thing? What's the detail, Right. And so you probably needed each other around the table, working together, like your collaborative memory and genius and artistic abilities. But sometimes I think when we come to a Bible study like this, we kind of also, you know, maybe whether you've seen this passage one time or a hundred times, sometimes we go, eh, I've seen that, right? But it's amazing what you realize you can see if you look at something with fresh eyes, right? And so we're going to set aside all our assumptions about what we know and who's an expert. And in a mark digging like this, we all get to come to the word. I'm as equals before God, having something to bring. Amen? All right. And if you're worried about or you're kind of internally thinking, why is she starting us with a money exercise? And maybe you're thinking, Who's going to get the dollar bill? Come back next week, because in Mark 10, we're talking about the rich young ruler and money and possessions. So hey, come on back. Um, Always a timely word, right? (laughs) 
Okay, we are looking good. We've still got a handful of seats if you're willing to join us. Um, If you're going to study from um, the back chairs, you're totally welcome to do that. At the tables over by Alan, we have extra Bible studies. We have some folders or clipboards if you want a little surface and markers. We want to make sure you have what you need to participate fully as well. The next thing I want us to do, though, is around our tables, we're going to say hi and say our names. But before we do that, I need your tables or your kind of little groups. Looks like we've got a group over here, group in the back, and maybe one here. I want you to pick one person who's going to be your group or table captain, who's going to help kind of serve the room by bringing some of the thoughts of the, of the table to the group, okay? So either nominate, volunteer, be voluntold, pick a table captain, okay? So pick one, and when you have a table captain, can that person just, you know, exuberantly or quietly put a hand up so I can see. We've got one. All right. Get your t- captains. Good. We all need a table captain. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. Yep. Darren. Great. Perfect. Thanks, Elijah. We're all going to need a captain. Okay. Thank you. All right. Now, captains. Thank you, captains. Um, I want want you to just quick go around your group or your table or your chair cluster and say hello, say your first name. And if you're a table captain, there's little post-it notes at your table. You could grab one and jot down names. I'm not great at remembering names, so that might help you, captains. So just say your first name, go around the table or your chair cluster. Feel free to move the chairs um, so that you can participate and introduce yourselves in just, just really briefly. Go for it. Table captains, give me a thumbs up if your table's all said hi and said your names. Excellent. Thank you. Great. All right. Well, my name's Kathy Haugen, and I am excited to be your kind of room host. Um, I'm not a teacher so much as a facilitator. You all will be teaching one another. We'll be learning together this morning in our Mark Diggin. And I'm really excited to be in Mark's gospel. And I want to remind us a little bit about the text. Thanks, Alan, for making sure everyone's got a manuscript. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. And a couple things to remember about Mark, also known as John Mark. So Mark was a companion um, of Paul and his ministry, and then Barnabas, who was actually a relative of their family through his mom's side. His mother's name was Mary. And this family was really involved in the life of the church in Jerusalem. Their home was a hub of activity. Um, in fact, we know from Acts 12 that Peter, after his miraculous escape from prison, actually went to this household, right? So it's kind of a hub of activity. And it's likely that Mark took most of his um, account in his gospel from eyewitness stories that Peter told, right? So in the artistic rendering, as you can see, maybe a picture of Peter preaching, and imagine Mark is there. He never missed a sermon. Like he's hanging on every word of Peter's, and maybe late at night over candle, he's furiously scribbling the stories and capturing them, and that's where we get this gospel account, all right? Now, Mark is such a great text to study together like this for a few reasons. One, remember how the gospel opens. So in Mark 1, Mark says his thesis statement. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, right? He lays it out. 
But the rest of his gospel, he doesn't insert his own opinion. He's just capturing all these accounts and this evidence of the life of Jesus and then asks the readers to say, who do you say that Jesus is, right? Didn't we hear that last week in the text, right? Who do you say I am? And so together we get to grapple with that question. I think it might be the most important question that a human being will ever answer. And we get to do that together around this text. And we're calling this a manuscript study. A little bit about manuscripts. Um, Everybody by now should have their text looks like this. And it's called a manuscript study because it's um, kind of like an early manuscript. Now imagine you found this piece, this shred of papyrus, and it's just here. And wow, surprisingly, it's in many of our first languages, in English in our case. Thank the Lord, it's not in Greek. But we've got the text. It's just a little bit, right? Um, And there aren't uh, chapter titles or footnotes. There's just these helpful line numberings on the side. No verses and chapters. But we're going to come to the text like we're discovering it kind of for the first time, right? So in manuscript study, and if I could go to this next slide, you can kind of see a picture of what this will look like when we're done. This is actually the text we're in today. You see all the colors and signs and symbols and notes in the margin. Um, We're going to be doing that together with some help. And the values that are driving our our work together are curiosity, community, and conversion. So we want to be curious, right? Just like that dollar bill exercise, what could we see that we never noticed before? And actually, community, what could we see together? Because I, I never had your perspective. I didn't have your eyes and your insights, but we're better together, right? And when we come to the word together with openness and curiosity, we are always a changed people, right? We experience a change because the word is alive and God wants to bring about that transformation in us this morning. Amen? Amen. All right, so that's a little bit about manuscript study. So we've got our text, and I want to read it to us first. And as you listen the first time, I want you to just imagine the scene. And if it helps to follow along, you can, or you can close your eyes, but I want you to hear the word. And then we're going to begin to study together. So this is the word of God from Mark's gospel, the ninth chapter. I'm going to start at verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There, he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah, And Moses, who were talking with Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's it's good for us to be here. Uh, Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the son of man had risen from the dead. 
They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they've done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. Lord, would your spirit come and enable us to encounter you in the word this morning together. Amen. Amen. So with that story in your mind, we're going to go to the text and go deeper in it, first on our own with a little study time. And I'm guessing even as you listened, maybe there was a Uh, a section or a phrase that maybe caught your attention, maybe you had an emotional response, or you're like, what is that? You wondered about something? There's a lot in these stories that maybe need some helpful background and unpacking, and I want to give us just a couple quick notes before I send you to study for five minutes on your own. And so this will also help you think about how we're going to use our text to communicate with each other. So look at your text, and I want you to go to the second line. Do you see in the second line that word transfigured? Okay, that word transfigured means to bring about a change, but that word implies that the change is one that brings something more exalted or glorious or beautiful, right? Now look down, find line five, kind of follow along with your finger, and you see there's the word rabbi. Peter says to Jesus, rabbi. That word means teacher, right? But look a little further down to line 12 when Jesus is talking and he calls himself the son of man, right? Now that's a phrase that um, Jesus loves to use for himself in Mark's gospel. We see it 14 different times and it actually refers to um, some text from a different book of the Bible, the prophet Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, where there's this vision of one like the Son of Man who comes, and the Ancient of Days um, gives the Son of Man dominion and glory and a kingdom. And I'm actually referencing a text. Every table has a sheet with kind of blue printing like this front and back that has some additional um, Bible background and scriptures for when we're studying, especially for when we're interpreting. Um, Because we don't have a ton of time, we don't have time to all go do all our own research on things, so I wanted to give you a few tips. This is more for when we interpret, and if anyone from the back room wants to come and peek at someone's sheet, I've got an extra up here, or you can help yourself. But for now, I want you to look at your text, and we're going to observe. So there's a slide up here on observation. And this is the first step in a great manuscript study when we're trying to ask what it's saying. So the first thing we do is we say, what's simply there? We observe, right? And this is where all of those colored pencils and markers and glitter pens and things on your table are going to come in handy. And you might even see, I put a handful of each table, these little legends 
um, these little cards that will kind of make your own color-coded legend if you want, especially if you're new to the practice of study. And in observation, we'll go to the next slide, you're going to look for a few things. You're going to look for um, who, who are the characters. So maybe in one color you want to circle or underline all the different characters. And then you're going to look for clues about the setting. Where is this happening? When is it happening? So maybe pick another color or another, if you're using a pen in the back, maybe another shape, right? And mark all of the setting clues with one color. And then we're going to look for things like the action, the what, or the how, the description. Um, my Phoebe here loved the word in the text. The descriptive were dazzling. She made a whole poster right here. So dazzling, right? That's a how. It's a descriptive word that you could put in another color. And then anywhere you just find you're curious, just put a little question mark. And we'll come back and write our questions out in a minute. All right. So we're going to do five minutes of making observations on your own blank text. We're going to put on some music. And we're going to do five minutes on our own before we talk about what we've seen in groups. So go ahead and begin to observe on your own. All right, this is great. I see some manuscripts getting very colorful out there. Um, we still have another minute or so, but I want to um, give a little bit of note. I want you to come back and make sure that at least a couple of the places you wrote question marks, you actually write a question in the margins to bring to the group. So on the next slide, um, a little bit about questions. Really, questions are what are going to help us unlock the meaning of a text. And a lot of times, these are why. The best questions are why, right? So even next slide, maybe why, why is it there? Why is this significant? Why are things happening the way they're happening, right? So go back in this last minute or two of observing and in a couple of places you wrote question marks, fill out what is your question, okay? All right, one more minute. I know that wasn't enough time. We want more study time, but I think you've probably got great things to start sharing. So I'm going to have us turn into our groups, round tables or in the back and start sharing your observations. And let me suggest a way to do this. I'm going to invite table captains to share one observation first and then just go around the table. And if you have something, kind of share it briefly or you could say pass, that's fine. And just go around and see if everyone can bring something they notice to the group. And again, the way that we want to um, share what we see is by referencing where we see it. And there's a lot in here. So you might say, okay, I see two scenes. There's up the mountain, and then there's down the mountain, and there's a break in line 10, okay? That's an example of something you're noticing. Or you may say, I see this character show up this many times in these lines, right? So just what do you notice? And let's start just with the observations, what you see, and then the second time around the table, you can share some questions, all right? So table captains or group captains, kick off the sharing and go around your tables with what you notice. All right, we're going to come to the whole group and bring some of these observations to the whole group. And I've got Porter and Phoebe hop on up, are my mic runners. And so Phoebe is going to have a microphone for tables and groups on this half of the room. And Porter's going to have a microphone and go to this half of the room. And their job is to come to the table captain. Now, captains, if someone else wants to share, that's fine. You could raise your hand, but we'll go to our captains to kind of keep us moving. So we're going to start. Um, you two, why don't you go to the ends of the rooms first? They're on. Logan's got them on for us. And um, table captains, what I want you to do is share one observation, just an observation. And we're going to see how many we can just kind of popcorn out to fill the space with, all right? So we'll start over 
Maybe, Elijah, would you start us off um, at this table first with an observation? So, Phoebe, you go, you go up and just hand on the microphone. Yep, and then start us with an observation. Yeah, you can pick for your table, or if you want, you can lobby your captain okay. while you're waiting for your turn for your best one. Start us off. Okay. Hey, my observation was how Elijah and Moses came forth before Jesus, who in the past encountered the Lord on mountains, and they came to him on a mountaintop. All right, so we've got mountains, right? That feels like a familiar piece. Excellent observation. Let's come on over here. Who's our table captain? Great. So we talked a lot about the cloud and how the son whom I love listened to him was similar to the baptism of Jesus and also how there was a cloud when Moses went up on Mount Sinai. So we've got mountains, we've got clouds, and we heard that familiar echo of the voice at the baptism. Good. Let's go to the next table. If my tables could come, the captains could raise their hand, then our mic runners can find you and be ready to go with the next person. So Porter, you be ready with Miss Jenny next. Okay, here we go. Okay, we observed that um, Jesus always says not to tell about what happened, and usually people do anyway, but this time they did not. Okay, so, and that's in, you see what line that is? That's in 11, right? That he gave this order again, not to tell. And that, that has just happened, right? But there's a little bit of something different in this one than other accounts. Excellent observation. All right. We observe that there is a lot of action in this short text. And uh, I guess the second one would be that there are a lot of different personalities. We wonder, like, how did all of that work out? And what felt awkward about those moments? And I guess we're getting into questions now. But that there's just a lot of differences in how they're handling the situation, too. Jenny, give us a couple of action words and a couple of the characters, just so we can kind of track with you there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the actions, uh, t- the word transfigured, appe- that he appeared there, or the, the Elijah and Moses appeared, um, the cloud coming as an action, mm-hmm. um, s- then suddenly they looked around and all of a sudden they're gone, and yeah. so there's just a lot of like back and forth, up the mountain, down the mountain, yeah. um, and then characters, yeah, Jesus, Peter, James, John, Elijah, Moses, Father God is in there because of the voice, the voice but not a visible okay. character right but an audible character excellent there's a lot going on and there's a lot of people there may be big personalities too right well you got a lot going on here perfect how about phoebe keep going table to table girl you got it and we'll keep it moving perfect thanks phoebe one of the major things that uh, we observed was that the, um, the disciples who were with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, still had no idea what rising from the dead meant. Mm. And, and Jesus had mentioned this multiple times in Mark prior to this chapter, that right. the Son of Man will be rising from the dead, and the d- disciples still were very confused. Still baffled. Still talking about it. It's even in quotes there again, right? What's going on? Good observation. Yes. Um, One of the things we were noticing was the extra description of not only dazzling white, but then whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And um, when you just read over it, it's easy to be like, oh, that's white. But to really see the extra depth of those descriptions. There's a lot of detail, right? And in the Greek, actually, it's three compounding building phrases describing that. Amazing. Good. How about over here, our next table captain? Who's our next table captain? Give us someone to raise a hand for us. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, I 
Don't know what to say. Um, everybody took ours. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto is acceptable. Exactly. That works. <laughs> that is totally fine. We often are going to... Anyone have a... How about... For, does anyone have a table, Captain, who has a kind of a new observation that hasn't been shared yet? How about raise your hand in the back, Phoebe? Head, head to the back first. Porter, you have someone with a new one? Great. Yeah. Well, one thing that we said um, was how human the the disciples were and how they really didn't have a clue. We kind of pictured them after they had climbed a mountain. We kind of overlooked that. You know, they were probably really worn out and not really thinking about spiritual things. And then Jesus starts to glow. Just, you know, it had to be mind-blowing. <laughs> what would that have been like? Yeah, just that, yeah, trying to put yourself in their shoes in that experience. Just amazing. And they have climbed a mountain. Also, right. Good. I think another one that we noticed was just the intentionality that Jesus took when he brought Peter, James, and John up. It says he took them. So that can be kind of a casual word, but there's definitely something behind that. Jesus really wanted them to go up there with him. Yeah, that's great. You can keep adding observations, but um, also now I want to say we're going to open it up to questions starting to come out because we're going to compile. Joey and I are going to work to compile some of our questions on the slide for us. So if you have an additional observation or we'll open it up to questions too. Uh, one thing we noticed is the very visibly demonstrated Jesus' glory and power uh, through the dramatic change in the dazzling white clothing. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Raise your hand high. I think Darren's got one right here, Phoebe. Oh, you got one in the back too? No? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So kind of an observation, a question from uh, several folks. You know, the whole listen to him exclamation point. Right. So the question kind of is, did they not know who he was? Right. You know, so why did he have to remind them again and again? And, right. you know, that conversation, you know, Peter always kind of gets ahead of himself. A little bit. That's so. great. Why is, the, why is the father this time saying, listen to him? What are they supposed to listen to? It's an excellent question. Let's keep going with some questions. Raise your hand over here for Porter. Where's Porter? Come find us with some questions. Who's got a question? A table captain right here. Oh, perfect. Okay, I got it. Um, I was wondering why the teachers say that Elijah must come first. Yeah. Why? Yeah. That's that kind of in that whole section where they're coming down the mountain. Like, why is, you know, why are, what's going on with this conversation? Why is Jesus telling them what he's telling them? What's, you know, why does Elijah have to come first? And um, we can put that detail in there. Joey, thanks. Good. Let's keep it going. A few more questions. Yep. I was just, uh, as we are, we didn't discuss this, but as we are sitting here, it's like, why Moses and Elijah? Yeah. Why not Isaiah or David or whoever? Yeah. Yeah. Why those two? Why those two? And, you know, that question, the observation about the mountain, we could say, you know, why, why are they going up on a high mountain? And why is it that it's Moses and Elijah there in particular? It's an excellent question. Phoebe, come here next. We'll be ready. All right. Perfect. Thanks, Chad. Nope. There, there we go. Six days, what was, what was specific or special yeah. about the six days before? And then how did, did they wear name tags? How did they know Elijah and Moses were there? <laughs> right. 
Right. There was not photography at this, you know, they didn't have like playing cards. I got my Moses trading card, you know, there he is. Um, so I, those are, it's a great context set of questions. So what's, the, what's going on with six days? Um, maybe why, are, why Peter, James, and John, why are they having this experience that's also in that first verse? And then like, they recognized them. Why are they there? How did they recognize them? There's a lot we could dig into that kind of fits in that context. Perfect. Oh, this way, yes, Chris. So we noted that, like, Moses is just kind of there, and all the rest of it is about Elijah. Like, he just, all that, all that we know about Moses is that he's there, and then all of the rest of the dialogue is about Elijah, and we noted that, like, most of us know way more about Moses than uh-huh. we know about Elijah, but right. Elijah gets all the... Mentioned many more times if you marked the characters up, right? Okay, that's interesting. And so that might be kind of why Moses and Elijah, if you wanted to go deeper, we could say, and why is Elijah getting so much more play in this story than Moses? Yeah, that's interesting. Good, yeah. Phoebe, you want to go right there? And then, oh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because in some ways, there's all these details, say, about the clothing, right? All this detail. And then it's like, uh, well, what are they talking about? There's no detail about that conversation happening. So I think it lets us be curious about that. What's unfolding on the mountaintop? What do we know? Why do we know some things and not others? Um, Joey, maybe we could put a word um, around the after the clothing detail about um, what are they talking about? Um, great. We've got time for one or two more. Perfect, Steve. Yeah, my, my question actually builds off of both Chris and Matt's, and give me a little umbrella of mercy here, but I just wonder if we were told everything, like what else happened up there that maybe wasn't reported. Yeah. You know, when you talk about Moses not saying, you know, being talked about or, um, you know, the conversations, it, it really makes me wonder just what the whole experience yeah. really looked like. Right. If I'm Peter, thank you for your questions. I think we'll, we'll pause on questions for now. So Mike Renner, you can come put your mics up front for a second. We'll come back to those in a second. Um, isn't it fascinating, right? We have, um, this is Peter's eyewitness account. And this is a place I imagine John Mark going, details, buddy. Come on, like, give me a little bit more, right? This is quite a moment, right? But we have what we have. And so I want to actually send us back into our tables and try to answer some of these great questions that are coming up. Um, it's going to be a little small here. One of the things I recommend, we got a bunch of questions that you all have um, generated together. Um, feel free if you want to come up and take a picture of the screen if you want, um, or your table um, captain could read them. But we've got a lot of questions we can work on. Here's what I want to encourage us for time to do. I'm going to split the room in half. Um, And I want these kind of eight tables, so we'll start here and go diagonal and this way. I want you all to work on questions that relate to the first half of the story, the up the mountain part, okay? And that's, most of these are actually about the up the mountain part. A lot of these are. So kind of pick one of the questions you're most curious about, whether it's why Moses and Elijah? Why all the detail here and nothing here, right? What's going on? What would this experience have been like? Pick a question that you're curious about and talk. And you get the rest of the room. You all, I want you to focus on lines 10 and later, the down the mountain. Why is this conversation unfolding after the event the way it is, right? Why does Elijah have to come first? Why um, does Jesus say, you must not say uh, anything until after 
risen from the dead. Why don't they get it? So do some work on those questions. Pick maybe one or two that you're curious about and talk around your tables for a few minutes there. This is what we call interpretation where we're trying to get at the meaning. Like what would this have meant to the first readers and what could it mean to us? So pick one of those questions. There we go. Okay, we're still like, you guys had so many good questions. We can't fit them all on one screen. It's amazing. So pick one that you're curious about that made the screen or didn't and talk around your tables for a few minutes. Go for it. All right, I'd love to hear some of the ideas you're, you're considering as we're trying to interpret. So we're going to start with some of the up the mountain side. So this half of the room. Um, I'd love for a few of you, maybe table captains, if, if your table had some interesting things you were playing with in some of these questions around what happened on top of the mountain, raise your hand and Porter's going to come find you. Um, yep, great. Yep, keep that hand high and then I'll know where Porter's going behind you. Yep, great. All right, here we go. All right, so in regards to um, being Elijah and Moses... Um, that were the ones to meet with Jesus. Um, something that yeah we were discussing, kind of heard, was uh, them being the representations for kind of the law and the prophets um, from the Old Testament. Obviously, Moses and Elijah were held in, in high regard um, regarding that. And then also with that then, um, in regards to the, where the voice is saying, this is my son, listen to him, possibly being the shift from... Mm-hmm you've held the law and the prophets so high for, you know, that's what's been in your view. But now I'm saying, this is my son, listen to him. So that, that shift of, of focus um, being kind of maybe why Elijah and Moses, and then also that phrase. Yeah, how it holds together. Raise your hand, table captains, or someone who wants to maybe build off that so we can find you. Um, That's a great observation to start us. So we've got kind of Moses representing kind of the law and Elijah, the prophets, right? And so they're together with Jesus on this mountain, right? Hanging out. But there is a shift, right? Anyone else do any work on that? Why Elijah, Moses, or um, what happens? What is the meaning of the voice? Or maybe, I know there was some talk here of like, what's going on with Peter setting up those booths for them? Up here, great. So we were wondering if the like direct encounter with the divine is one the reason why it's Moses and Elijah in the um, First Kings passage. It's like God speaking directly to Elijah, and similarly yeah. to Moses. So maybe that's the it's this like directness that why we get those two? Right. Well, and these, both these figures have had profound um, revelation of God on mountains, right? That's in your text. So Elijah has had that encounter with God, right? Where God comes by first in the earthquake, right? And then in the fire and then in the quiet voice. And Moses on Sinai has received the law, right? Has had this encounter with God. Where does anyone remember what happens? What comes down on the mountain as the presence of God descends? A cloud, Right? A cloud comes down. And what happens when Moses comes down from the mountain after being with God? What's happening to Moses? He's glowing, right? He's, de- he's reflecting, right? Now, what's interesting is in this case, Jesus, 
you know, is actually emitting like the glory of God. He's transfigured and reveals the very glory. This isn't like a reflection the way Moses reflected it. And so Peter, it's so interesting, right, where he's like, let's build these booths. And it's like, I, we might ask what's going on there, right? Is it like, hey, let's stay a while, friends. This is pretty awesome. Like all my people are here, right? It says he's frightened. He might've just been like, you know, classic Peter foot in mouth, like don't know what to say, but can't stop talking. No inner monologue, right? Uh, this is the shelter, you know, was built. The tabernacle was built to house the glory. So maybe it seemed right, right? Let's just kind of make a place of honor for each. But what does the text tells us happens when that cloud descends and the voice comes down in line nine? It says, suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone except Jesus. He's not one who's equal with the three. He is above, right? He is the glory of God revealed. All right, so... We have this incredible encounter. Um, Phoebe, why don't you come? Let's talk about the second half. They're coming down the mountain. I'd love to hear from just a couple tables. What are some things you talked about as you considered what was happening on this conversation down the mountaintop? Lynn, right here. Yep. Great. So we were kind of wondering what kind of context, if Jesus and the disciples had the same sort of context that they were talking about, how much knowledge of the specific prophecies did the disciples have? Um, and we actually, the, their question of why did the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first, did they, were they like confused about the sequence thinking that that referred to like this encounter? Mm-hmm. And they're like, but that was, Jesus came before that. And so maybe... Yeah, yeah. I, it, kind of that they're having this conversation that maybe they're not talking. How much of the same? Right. Are we talking about have? the same thing? Yes. Or are we kinda, and then yeah. are they thinking? Well, why does it? You know, are they confused with the sequence of events or what Jesus talking is talking about? Right. And sometimes you just wonder why didn't Jesus just like sit down and be like, "Here, guys, this is what I'm saying." <laughs> like he he wanted the. It seems like he wanted them to struggle with it instead of just telling him what he wants to say. He's, he's sometimes so clear, and he's not super clear here. It doesn't feel as clear to you in this, in this sense as you read it. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because the Jews at the time would have had a very, an understanding from that Malachi text that you see on the, on the table that when the Messiah came, Elijah was coming back first because their history told them that he was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire, but when the Messiah came, he was going to come back physically, right? They would have understood that, Um, as Jews kind of learn it in the story. And Jesus is kind of certainly repeating himself, but there is this like, why is it not sticking? And what's going on for them? Um, Can I get a hand? Maybe Sophie can come find our next um, communicator. We'll go to John next. And while we do that, a note, because we're in our dig-in and we have a little longer time frame this morning, if you need to go get kiddos from downstairs, we encourage you to go pick up your young ones and they're welcome to come back and take candy at the end or not, if you allow. Um, But feel free if you need to step out.